Ask the Expert. It's a really brief, informative, lively discussion with experts in type 1 diabetes and related interdisciplinary research. We're recording the event. We're going to post it later on our YouTube uh, channel so you can watch it there if you miss some of it or all of it. And um, if you have any questions for our guests, feel free to enter them in the chat, raise your hand at the end of the presentation. And today we have as our guest, Dr. Esther Caffrell Salvador. She's a multidisciplinary scientist with a background in biotech and biochemistry. She was actually recognized by the MIT Technology Review with 35 under 35 in a radius in 2019, which is a huge accolade, and the Nova Talent Award in 2021. Um, she was postdoc in uh, Robert Langer's lab at MIT, and she developed a novel pill designed to administer insulin and other macromolecules via oral delivery in collaborations with Nova Nordisk. She's now an associate director at regenerative medicine at Leo Pharma, and she's really passionate about advocating on career development for women in science and is an advisor and mentor to various startups and academic programs. So that's, wow, that's, you've done a lot in a very short time. Uh, thanks for joining us. I didn't know. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I didn't know if you wanted to give us a thumbnail sketch of uh, any more of your sort of career path and how you got here, how you got to where you are right now. And then we'll sure. Sure, definitely. Uh, well, I did my undergrad training in uh, Barcelona, so biotechnology and biochemistry there with a year in Italy. So uh, then is when I hopped to the UK where I ended up doing my PhD and uh, it's where I get first got introduced to microneedles. And at the beginning I was like, what's that? That uh, at the time the field was much more smaller, more like a niche. And now it has bloomed with so many technologies leveraging um, this approach and um, actually this expertise in microneedles brought me to the US um, MIT uh, at Bob Spanker Lab where I um, was involved in a project um, delivery to deliver insulin orally. So designing novel devices that um, enable to uh, intake insulin orally as an alternative to injections. And that's the work that I will be uh, talking about today. Um, but then like the expertise in drug delivery um, across skin and orally's, but also like uh, led me uh, or set my path uh, towards uh, going back to dermatology. And in, in, now I'm just researching uh, in the field of regenerative medicine for dermatological diseases. So I think there are many opportunities of improving um, the life of patients. And um, now my focus back on dermatology, but still very passionate about oral delivery and devices and uh, helping out. Yeah, I mean, I just spoke to uh, a group at, you know, that um, was very interesting, John Glass and um, Yo Suzuki, you know, last week, and they were talking about um, transdermal, you know, kind of applications mm -hmm. that they're lotions that they're sort of developing. So there's a lot of um, avenues that people are exploring. Um, yeah, so do you want to give us a, you know, share some slides with us? Yeah, absolutely. Let me do that. There you go. Um, so yeah, today I wanted to briefly touch on uh, oral insulin and the novel devices that I've been uh, working on. But for that, I wanted to um, give a bit of context uh, first. Um, so efforts have been made for almost a century to address the problem of delivering biologics like insulin orally. And um, already in 1923, um, a scientist named Harrison uh, tried administering insulin orally um, in an alcohol solution. However, he had success in only one of the four patients. So um, consistency was an issue there. And since um, scientists have been um, trying to look for alternatives to injection. So um, when 
compared to injectable drugs, oral formulations acting in the same biologic pathway and for the same indications are more commonly prescribed. This is so even when the injectable drugs demonstrate clinical superiority results. For example, in the treatment of um, type 2 diabetes, in um, this case, uh, what I'm showing in the slide, um, is that um, here you can see the GLP-1 uh, receptor antagonist that is an injectable, and uh, those pills are DDP-4 and DPP-4 inhibitors, uh, and both are to treat um, diabetes. Um, uh, but prescriptions are higher for the oral route. Um, but this um, entails that efficacy is being compromised because the injectables work better. So there is a need um, to overcome these barriers and um, we shouldn't need to compromise between choosing on efficacy versus administration route. So uh, bearing that in mind, um, what I'll be talking to you Today is about uh, three devices that uh, we worked on at MIT, um, and will be a brief overview to give you uh, um, an idea of uh, the constraints that we are trying to address for the oral delivery, and also like um, hopefully have a discussion around this. So I'll be presenting about these uh, three devices. So the first one is a device for delivery in the buccal space. The second one uh, will go to the stomach, and the third one um, into the small intestine. Can I ask you um, briefly, like, what is the scale of those? Um, of you the like, actually, I have actually pictures that show it, like, to, you know, in comparison to uh, later. So I think it uh, will be easy okay. to see the yeah, only sure. capsule. So it's just very small, even if here they seem bigger, like, they would all be swallowed um, in a capsule that um, are being currently used to deliver other medications. Okay, cool. So just, um, in order to understand um, like what's needed to design these devices, I want to highlight that the gastrointestinal tract or the GI tract is designed to break down food. Um, it is inhospitable for most of what it goes through it, and therefore, like insulin uh, as a protein and like many other components of food, it's aimed to be broke down by all its enzymes and the different uh, pHs that we find. The GI tract. So the GI tract is uh, composed by uh, several organs that go from the mouth through um, the rectum, and those are um, the mouth, the esophagus, stomach, small intestine, and colon. And in this table, I just aim to show a bit the diversity of uh, like the different tissues because it's very important in order to design a successful device for drug delivery to understand where it needs to go and um, what are the properties of the tissue. You can see that. Um, the thickness of the tissues varies across the different organs, the resident times as well, like it's just a few seconds that we have uh, a pill in the mouth or the esophagus, while it can stay between one and three hours in the stomach, and then the time to transit through the guts is much longer. Therefore, there would be a delay if um, the aim was to target such organs. Um, absorption also varies across these organs or the pH as uh, uh, we will know the pH in the stomach is very acid from this um, degradation, and, and that's why many of the drugs cannot be delivered orally because they never uh, get absorbed like we, when they are active to carry out the, their function. Similarly, a lot of enzymes in all the organs, and there are mechanical forces right associated with either um, the swallowing or like the, the pumping of um, the stomach. Itself. So... Um, with this, like, let's take a closer look at some of the devices. So the first one um, is based on buccal microneedles. 
And the concept what we aim to deliver here was a buccal patch. Um, and we do this with the microneedle patch that looks like this at the skin. Here you have a real one. And actually, this is one centimeter per one centimeter. And these microneedles that here, they seem very big, are just um, tiny, like about one millimeter in height. So you can think of these like a velcro patch, like on your clothes. You apply usually the arm, but like we've adapted these systems to apply them also into the GI tract. So the idea of this patch is that these um, tiny needles um, have the drug uh, insulin in this case in the tip. And once you put them against um, the mucosal of the mouth, they dissolve and then they deliver the insulin that then um, gets into systemic circulation. How does, um, how, how does it feel? You barely feel anything. Actually, microneedles um, are short enough that they don't uh, reach any uh, nerve endings, so you don't feel any pain, um, and there is no bleeding associated with them. So many people describe them as, uh, you know, the aspros, like the tongue of a cat, um, <laughs> or like if you were rubbing like a Velcro against your skin. So the, you know, you feel something, but it's not a, a painful sensation. Yeah, probably a lot less than an injection. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So um, yeah, in this case, we targeted the mouth because it was um, easier to penetrate that skin that is where usually microneedles are uh, being applied. They, uh, the buccal mucosa doesn't have the stratocromium that makes the skin so elastic and more difficult to penetrate. Also the dissolution rate in the mouth is much faster because it's moist and um, it goes, uh, well, it's very accessible and it goes um, straight um, to be delivered into systemic circle. Relation upon absorption. So um, this is just um, the patch that we loaded with uh, microneedles, and I just don't want to um, go into details of the data. But what we did was first validate this um, in pigs. We use pigs as a model drug, and also insulin is very useful as a model drug. But we can think that um, these patches could also be used to deliver um, human growth hormone, for example, for the pediatric population as an alternative. Um, to injections. And what it enables us is to monitor like um, the uh, blood glucose drop, um, you know, instantaneously post delivery while um, to actually prove that it works, as we can see here, like these samples get processed sometimes like weeks or even months after um, they are collected because they need specific uh, safe. But um, Basically, just uh, this slide to show that uh, the, the peak with the microneedles was about uh, after uh, 40 minutes approximately, and it uh, gets a delivery similar to the subcutaneous um, injection. Um, but the, the exciting also part about this specific project is that we got to test these patches in humans. And um, I uh, wanted to show you this slide to explain how we did that, because we had to um, design a system, an applicator, um, to ensure that we would be able to test it reproducible in a reproducible manner to each of the volunteers. So uh, we recruited 100 volunteers at MIT, and this was the applicator, and it had a, a light coding that would enable us to uh, know that the, all the microneedles were applied uh, with the same force um, and uh, with a specific time frame. And we designed these in a, a kind of toothbrush shape because we knew it was accessible in the different parts of the mouth. Um, and what we did is uh, we delivered a patch without microneedles and a patch with microneedles, as you can see here. And we wanted to see if uh, like the volunteers uh, feel the difference between them. You know, like we wanted to see what was the discomfort uh, perception of both patches, but they didn't know if we were applying them with microneedles or uh, without them. And we also tested different locations within the mouth. 
these are the locations that uh, we tested and I'll go through this graph in a second, but like basically the palate, which is the top of the mouth, um, the cheek, the lip, um, tongue and lingual. And you might be familiar with um, these uh, Lego uh, graphics here that you can see at the PCP office. And it's mostly to assess what's discomfort associated with a specific injury, right? Uh, and so we explain how these work and we ask uh, also our volunteers to draw a vertical line on you know, how they felt about that specific badge. And, and here is the results, you know, we quantify these from one to 10. Um, and you can see that like the preference, like we compared it also to skin. Like, we use skin to explain them what was gonna happen in their mouth. Um, and the, the palate was um, the preferred application side, but followed close by uh, cheek. And the, the values didn't differ that much, especially in um, cheek and palate when we used the, the patch with microneedles and the patch uh, without microneedles. So um, that was very exciting to see. And also like the, the volunteers reported 95% of them that they would prefer the microneedle patch over the injections. I need to highlight that 60% of the participants didn't mind needles, so they would still um, go and get uh, you know, a flu shot or um, that they were comfortable receiving an injection, but many others like uh, were just wondering when would that be available to the market to get a flu shot or any of uh, you know, the other injections that they need to acquire. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in terms of diabetes, it's a chronic you know, injection. It's not just like once it... A, a year getting your flu shot, it's just, you know, it can be constant replacing sites and, you know, giving yourself injections. So this is great news, really nice. Absolutely, like that would be very accessible, easy to um, deliver the patch within the mouth and like um, the GI tissue like regenerates uh, pretty quickly as well. So um, that would be a good alternative. So hopefully these devices also will just make it at a fast pace um, to the market and uh, manufacturing and uh, pose an alternative to these uncomfortable injections. Yeah. And then um, just the flavor as well of uh, this device, uh, which uh, we name SOMA, which stands for self-orienting millimeter scale applicator. And as you can see, um, and this seems like pretty big, but it's one of the conventional capsules that uh, usually they are painted uh, white and blue or like um, that uh, they tend to have powder inside, but um, these would be able to embed a couple of our um, SOMA devices for delivery um, in case like more dosage uh, was um, Needed, but like here, we wanted to choose like the, you know, the, uh, those are very small, and you would uh, barely um, notice them, and they wouldn't be transparent. The capsules, obviously, everything would uh, be more like uh, um, prepared towards the patient and just optimized. So this was one of the first prototypes. But um, here, I'm just showing a diagram of how does this device work, and I need to say that it was uh, inspired on the leopardos tortoise that you see here, um, because the tur these turtles have the ability to self-ride themselves, and this is what this um, device uh, does, as I will show you in a second. But the reason is because, like, the center of mass is uh, pretty low here. So it's made of a biodegradable polymer, all this uh, gray shell. Um, and then in the bottom, it has a, a stainless steel base. So this means that it weights more and the center of mass is down here. So it doesn't matter um, what position gets delivered into the stomach, that it would always make sure that it's in this upright position and this part will be against the stomach wall. So what happens inside here is that we have a, a spring that it's embedded in sugar. And uh, here there are these vents that enable the liquid from the stomach to enter. So once this liquid enters, um, dissolves the sugar, 
um, and the spring deploys. And then what happens is that this needle elongates, um, delivering the insulin, which would be the light green part. So this blue part is just a uh, support. Um, and the insulin payload in the solid state would be here. So it doesn't need to be a liquid like uh, we have pure insulin that would be like a depot inserted into the, the stomach uh, wall. And like this, there would be absorption. It has no time to be exposed you know, to the pH, the low pH of the stomach that we were talking about or all its enzymes because it gets delivered into the wall where it goes um, straight into systemic circulation when it, it dissolves. So this time frame of, oh, here, you're getting to it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, how much, um, what is the payload that these um, little, you know, capsules can carry? So we can load more than one milligram, like, um, and we have optimized this version. Also, there is a liquid version now. Um, so the payload is even further increased. But like this, those is like not with, uh, like it's far above without an injection of insulin would be needed. So, um, you know, but also it could be adapted to be long lasting insulin. Maybe the, the shot in the morning, you know, the basal insulin that dissolves over the course of the day. So you can tune a lot of the properties of the activation rather than feeling like a single shot. So it would be more like, you know, um, yeah, for example, the, the first pill that you take in the morning as your basal insulin for the day, like you could take it in the form of a pill. And what, what you see here is like what would happen like with this device when it lands into the stomach. So as I said, the center of mass is in the lower part, so it doesn't matter uh, which uh, position it falls from, it would always revert um, to go to the stable position. So basically this stable position is uh, reached within one second. It's like uh, really fast. And then within one minute, the injection, of course, because that sure, um, um, embedded that uh, embeds the, the spring is dissolved uh, within one minute and then the injection goes inside the tissue and then the insulin can dissolve approximately within an hour. And this is tunable, as we said. So here we were just uh, validating the, the proof of concept of our stomach device. Yeah. And similar to what I showed before, like we uh, saw a similar delivery as um, the um, an intergastric injection and um, uh, a correspondent glucose um, drop. Um, and then did this get into clinical trials with humans? So not yet, like the process is much slower. So like um, this was validated in swine again. Uh, we have pigs that we validated with, and like we also dose the pigs with several devices at the same time. Um, six or so when we, you know, make sure that um, these went through all their body, you know, that they were excreted, didn't cause any collapse into the GIs. We looked into this closely. We also analyzed um, all the, the gastrointestinal tract um, to make sure that there was no bleeding or tissue disrupted uh, from this injection. So there was a lot of validation, but usually it goes into a second animal model before uh, making it to clinical trials. And like what, um, the first step into clinical trials will also be ingesting such devices with no drug um, to validate that uh, they are safe as well. And then like um, on the second stage, uh, the drug will be added as well. And, you know, this can serve as a platform. So we validated also with insulin um, due to our collaborator, but um, we could think that, you know, also potentially vaccines or other therapies um, might be embedded in there. So like they could also revolutionize like how um, many drugs are, are being taken. Yeah. But hopefully like they will make it yet yeah, to clinical trials soon like that would be great to see in the upcoming years. But like, um, yeah, um, Novo Nordis, which is our partner um, with MIT, are like uh, looking um, to progressing this um, technology to the next step. So 
stay tuned for that, I would say, and uh, hopefully we'll see these advances. Yeah, no, these are really interesting and creative approaches for sure. Yeah, so um, we we just design different devices, you know, because at the end of the day, like there are different drugs that you could accommodate this from, and ones might be needed uh, for a faster delivery, and others, uh, you know, for a more targeted delivery or based on absorption. So, like, um, just um, to finish giving you a flavor, I'll be talking about uh, what we call Lumi, and this stands for luminal unfolding microneedle injectors. Just think of these microneedles that I showed you for the butyl space as well. These tiny projections with design a device uh, with microneedles at the tip of the arms and no worries I'll zoom in into the next slide for that but just um, so that you understand how this works it's just it's inserted in a capsule it's an enteric coated capsule and what this means is that it goes past the stomach without uh, opening um, basically the low pH doesn't affect the capsule but when it goes into the small intestine and this pH raises again um, close to seven the, the capsule dissolves and it's when it delivers the device so the device has um, some microneedles at the end of um, the arms as I'll show and once in the small intestine these also are um, delivered to the intestinal wall. Um, the drug is dissolved, and then the rest of the arms are also dissolved, you know, um, to enable um, the, the small pieces to pass through if needed. So um, here um, is where you see the device, and I'll show you a real picture compared to um, a real scale object in the next slide, but so that you get an idea, the this is based on a startup shape device that has an elastomeric core. So basically this is closed inside the capsule. So these three arms all in one. So they all fill in uh, a similar capsule to the one that I've showed you for the previous device. Um, and once this um, capsule is dissolved, like these arms open. And um, these have been thoroughly thought, like you can see that the, the edges here are tilted to accommodate these needles. And this is because like, you know, during the, uh, the the release of the device from the capsule, these uh, needles um, are not shredded with the capsule and that's why there is this indentation um, and also like that they are like targeted um, towards the, the small intestinal wall. Um, and these arms are also dissolvable. So uh, like before the insulin or the drug would be uh, towards the tip of uh, these needles and there is no drug in these arms, but also those are made of polymer. So um, they dissolve and disassemble once um, they've uh, release the cargo. This is really interesting um, when you, when, you know, because at the onset of type one diabetes, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a sharp decrease in the diversity of the microbiome. And there's been a lot mm -hmm. of talk about like repopulating the, the bacteria that actually are killed off or whatever happens to them, right? Because they're, they disappear. Right. You can, I mean, can you imagine that this kind of vehicle could deliver those um, bacterial strains that disappeared at onset of type one, or is it um, really focused on delivery of um, like insulin and molecular, you know, um, medicines? Yeah, that's a great point, a great question. And um, I think this device opens a wide range of uh, possibilities for these bacteria or like drugs that um, struggle to be absorbed into systemic circulation. In terms of bacteria, um, I believe that uh, you could just deliver them with enterocotic capsules to repopulate the small intestine, but um, they wouldn't necessarily need to be localized in the intestinal wall for absorption, right? Because what you want is to populate the bacteria into the small intestine per se. Mm -hmm. Well, this device, is aimed to, you know, circumvent the fact that um, if we were to deliver insulin orally, it would be great, like, right, if it was just on a pill uh, powder or even a liquid, it would just be broken down by 
by the enzymes. So um, yeah. I, I think that like just a conventional pill that within dairy coating that targets a small intestine might solve the bacteria problem, but like absolutely like all these devices um, can be used as platforms. So you could deliver um, many more uh, drugs than- It's almost like this, this, yeah, this, this delivery um, setup could sort of be used to like get down to the small intestine and maybe anchor there and then release the the bacteria that that have yep. been depleted just for you know anchored there for a little while and then and then release but yeah because you don't you know you don't want the delivery actually into the um anthracitic wall you want it just to kind of be right at the right at the top so it is really um it's a really interesting, you know, way of delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there are other companies also working on some other devices. I mean, uh, another companies investigating an, uh, an adhesion like device that would adhere to actually the intestinal wall. So maybe that one would be better suited for uh, bacteria delivery. So um, yeah, we've uh, at Leo Pharma actually, we've just uh, written a, a review that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks that also compiles um, all the oral drug uh, delivery devices under investigation and like they target from um, the mouth um, all the way through um, the column and uh, you know each one sort of the, there are variations some are just based on liquid formulation delivery others like more on the solid state or just designed to stay slightly longer um, into the small intestine for example so I feel like uh, you know this space that also it's in, uh, gaining popularity and interest on exploring you know finding alternatives on the delivery of uh, many yeah. macromolecules. So uh, there's a lot of room to to explore and um, invent. Really, sounds exactly. Like yeah, no, and these are very novel. It was like we started kind of with a uh, wide uh, with a whiteboard and started you know, like populating it with ideas. And obviously there were a lot of uh, failed experiments and a lot of trial and error to make sure, you know, that like um, this device, for example, is deployed, it's time that it's deployed, like gets the microneedles inside the small intestine. So it was, you know, very important to make sure that, for example, the elastomer um, core had uh, enough strength to pop this open and make sure that they made contact. So, you know, we did a lot of tests like that, um, that the arms wouldn't dissolve prior to delivering the microneedles to that at the edges. So you know, there is a lot of uh, development. I'm just showing, uh, you know, an overview and obviously showing insulin delivery, but the engineering work and the validation models and everything that was behind it, um, you know, are much more extended. And, um, and there are like, uh, yeah, some modifications of these and other um, devices from um, other um, research uh, companies that are also like uh, very exciting uh, to see. Yeah, for sure. So, Going back um, to this device here, we can see the, the size of uh, the Lumi capsule as well. I mean, it's similar to the dimensions um, that I showed uh, previously, like and comparable to the time here. So once it opens, um, it deploys and it extends, but um, you know, we, in order to design how long this would be, we take into account, you know, the measures of the small intestine and make sure that, you know, it won't fully extend like its open position, but just enough um, so that the needles, um, uh, the microneedles that you see here that again are uh, less than one millimeter, they will be inserted into the small intestine. And one thing I want to highlight is that uh, the GI tract doesn't have pain receptors, it has stretchability receptors. Um, you know, um, you wouldn't feel these uh, needles whatsoever, even the one from the soma being delivered because um, there are no pain receptors. Um, so that's um, something like in favor of um, taking in those devices. Yeah, it's an advantage. 
And um, yeah, basically, obviously, like to prove that we deliver insulin here, I'm just showing some of uh, the data here. We start with the uh, blood glucose change. Um, so we can see that um, there is a decrease with um, the Lumi. Um, what we compared was uh, with the device, so the one that there is no decrease um, here delivery is just because what we did was dissolve the microneedles that we would usually mount into the Lumi device into a solution and then deliver that solution. So as if it was, you know, orally delivered, taken in a liquid insulin, and we can see that there is no uh, blood glucose drop or no insulin absorption when we deliver insulin um, in uh, an aqueous solution. While when we um, do it with our Lumi device or, uh, you know, uh, or a patch uh, inserted into the, the small intestine, we can just see a peak of insulin and it's um, comparable to, to the sub-Q injection that you can see here in the dotted line. Yeah, that's a great profile. So yeah, yeah, in summary, insulin is a macromolecule and very difficult to deliver without the use of hypodermic needles. Nonetheless, science is progressing fast. And even um, if we have not discussed today permeation enhancers, um, also permeation enhancers also offer a possibility of you know, increasing absorption to the GI tract. However, oral devices go a step further because they um, enable targeted deliver delivery and increased absorption resulting in higher drug um, bioavailability. And um, here are the, the three devices that we briefly reviewed. Um, and for further information, you can refer to um, the papers um, like under the pictures. And as I mentioned, um, there will be another review um, coming up, um, this time from Leo Pharma, that uh, we actually compile like the several devices that um, enable oral delivery of uh, novel molecules. So, um, yeah, with that, um, I thank you for your attention. I'm looking forward to uh, further discussion. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. I think, you know, I guess, pe I guess some people are wondering, you know, what what's next? So what's next for for you with these devices? Are you going to bring them into the space of Leo Pharma or, you know, can you even talk about that? Yeah, so, well, these devices stay uh, with MIT and uh, Novo Nordis because then they came out uh, of this collaboration that I work on during my time at MIT. So like uh, the new set of scientists or like the company um, is uh, looking to progress in them, but I would envision that like many other companies might uh, want to leverage these technologies to deliver their drugs uh, per se. Um, so at Leo Pharma, like we actually compiled this review because we are also looking into auto delivery and regenerative medicine. And I mean, if you look at the, the novel um, technologies out there, like with all gene therapy and so on, as of now, it needs to be delivered by injections as well. So, you know, if these devices continue to grow up and get validated for these technologies as well, it could be an option. I mean, obviously we're talking of a further future and there is a long way to go, but um, one of uh, the other companies that has a device uh, uh, for also oral delivery has it already on phase one. They've already tested uh, it with patients and make sure that um, there are no safety issues associated with that. So the next step would see would be like moving to phase two and like continue testing um, and validating this technology. So hopefully, you know, the devices that I've spoke about today, like will follow the same path. Can you, can we give a shout out to that company or should we just- Oh yeah, 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 Ronnie Therapeutics. Ronnie, and are they That's in right. Boston also? Um, so no, they are um, on the West Coast, but they have um, like some partnership, they partner at, um, 
yeah, a few years back with Novartis as well. So I think there are many um, companies um, looking into that. Like um, we have also like BioGrail um, in Europe that's looking into that by, by Wind um, that is also in the Midwest. So a lot of US companies are focusing on oil. How can you imagine, um, here's a question. How can you imagine using some of these technologies to interface with eyelid implantation or can you? You know, because that's one of the biggest problems, you know, um, mm -hmm. for eyelid implantation, you know, Vertex is trying to bring that to market now is fibrosis and the, um, you know, the resuming immune attack once the implant is in place. Right. I feel like um, in some of the cases when you are delivering a, a depot, um, you know, if uh, you might be able, it depends on the cargo and obviously needs to be optimized, you know, for each of the drugs, because when we validated different drugs, different drugs have different molecular weight, like, you know, stability properties. So you need to make sure that it's compatible with, you know, the device, per se, the polymer that is holding it and so on. So I think that um, in many cases, it will need to be tailored or maybe it just needs a different device to ensure like that, um, you know, for eyelid delivery. And so on. So I think, like uh, the yeah, beginning, those first are like we whole, to... those are like whole cells, right? Versus right, just right. A, um, a, a molecule. So it's absolutely more complex, so, of course. Exactly. Of course. You need to make sure that the cells are, you know, all stable in this matrix and so on. And like actually in the Langer lab as well, there were other, you know, um, scientists focusing in like uh, islet cells as well. So there is a lot of research on diabetes from different angles because um, I don't think that one solution necessarily is above each other, but like it's interesting to like keep um, these different avenues of research open and, and see what just um, solves the problem uh, better or like, you know, from um, different people, like different solutions uh, might be needed. And so on yeah, the multidisciplinary approach. And, you know, we've tried to foster that here, you know, by discussing all these different options and avenues with, mm -hmm. you know, the BME people, the GWAS people, you know, the cell biologists, right. physiologists. And so, you know, we're trying to, uh, we're attempting to create a nexus here, a place, you know, where all different voices can be heard. And then, um, you know, different scientists from different disciplines can kind of like tune into that and think, hmm, this, how does this impact my, what I'm doing? So it was just a great pleasure to speak with you today, uh, Esther. And thank you so much for giving us your time. We wish you all the best success and I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, sounds good. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invite. I had a great time and feel free to reach out if uh, you have any further questions or anyone wants to discuss about the topic. We will and we'll post that on there. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.